Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the State of Play podcast, episode 49. I am your host, Martino Puccio. The main trio is here for this week. We're going to introduce Pet first. Uh, Matt, Pet, and I have all had really great match day weeks again for, for our clubs, but Pet's on cloud nine as Arsenal has made it to the FA Cup final. Pet, how you doing? I'm doing very, very well. Uh, it's almost disbelief really beating Liverpool in a game we really didn't deserve to win in the league I think we had two shots on target and we made I think there was a crazy statistic that we made like I don't know how many forward passes it was like 90 or something like that it's crazy um but the Man City game was amazing I mean to beat the informed team at the moment I suppose in the Premier League 2-0 and to basically allow them one shot on target throughout the whole game, it was just a fantastic effort. It was one of those games where for Arsenal to win it, you needed every player to be like an 8 out of 10 or more. And somehow, some way, Arteta got that out of them. So, yeah, extremely happy. And there they go. Arsenal off to the FA Cup final against Chelsea. Matt, we know we're both riding on cloud nine. We still don't believe in anything that's going on with Milan. Uh, but how are you doing? Fantastic. Um, aside from the fact that, again, Milan's thriving, they're scoring goals, which I know is, was a huge problem in the first half of the season. Since the restart, it's been well-documented. Pioli's got this team headed in the right direction. Um, a lot of the players are really elevating their game, and as the kind of weather's getting hotter, the players are also uh, revving up and getting hot as well. Very good, to, very much uh, an encouraging time for Milan fans to celebrate. I know uh, some people are going to maybe, yeah, you know, they're not in the Champions League top four. You know, that's fine, but at, at the end of the day, you look not at its progression, close. its growth. And, um, yeah, I, I couldn't be more happier to, for, for this team right now. I think the fans deserve this. They're not where we want to be at this point in time. You know, we're a team that wants to be in the Champions League. I'm sure Pet's the same way with Arsenal. They want to be more in that top four kind of conversation. But it's progression, it's growth. And if Milan are able to just kind of finish the season strong and then position themselves for a nice market, you can kind of set yourself up for a really strong um, next season, which is what you can hope for at this point. So I'm doing pretty well. All right, so everyone's doing well. Um, Probably none better than Real Madrid fans so far. They won La Liga officially. We were saying this, I don't know, for months now. We had multiple guests on that were agreeing uh, with the same thing, that this was Real Madrid's league to lose, even though it was pretty tight for the most part. They pull away in the end. They win it by five points over Barcelona. Barcelona, look, I mean, this is – a lot of people think it's a beginning of the end or they think this is their last opportunity to really change things before a, a, a drastic change might happen at the club. But let's keep it to Real Madrid at first. They win this league. It's the first time in a few years that they do so. Sergio Ramos, um, you know, we all thought he was going to win the golden boot at this point with all the goals he was scoring. Um, they're getting contributions from everyone. All their younger players have progressed up. Asensio coming back from his injury was playing really well. Um, all around, they were such a deep team. They were really built for this three to four day uh, match every single um, three to four days. So for me, I mean, this this just seemed like it was there to lose. And you know what? I don't know, Benzema, man. This was probably the one stretch in his career that he got the respect from almost everyone um, that is a fan of the sport because – in my opinion, this was some of his best uh, football that he's played in his career. So uh, whoever wants to hop in first, go ahead. 
Yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's interesting. We look at Zinedine Zidane and what he's done over these two stints as a Real Madrid manager. And you really can't argue with his record. A lot of people can argue that he doesn't play the most appealing brand of football. He doesn't play football that gets people off their seats too much. He plays very pragmatic, effective football. And he built that around very effective, pragmatic footballers like Karen Benzema and uh, Federico Valverde, who's come on this season. Uh, the likes of Tony Cruz. It's no... Uh, no surprises that likes of him, Modric and Casemiro play better with a manager like Zinedine Zidane in, um, in charge, where he sets his team up to be very pragmatic and very efficient and likes to win games by pushing on the qualities of those players. You know, uh, And then if you add to the mix the kind of, uh, I guess, the spontaneity of someone like Sergio Ramos and his match-winning ability, scoring, what, 12 La Liga goals or whatever it may be, a lot of strikers are happy with those returns, aren't they? So I, I think they've done a great job. It, it says a lot about um, Zinedine Zidane and the Real Madrid players, about the mentality of getting through the COVID period, coming back, being very sharp and just consistently winning. Consistency is key. They're obviously still in the champ- a shot with winning the Champions League. So it could be going from at first half of the season, thinking it could be an average one for, for Real Madrid to being one of their best ever. So uh, it's really amazing to see how they turned around. Karen Benzema, you know, I think we were, I was making this shout off air. I, I think the argument is there between him and Lewandowski, you know? We've, we've been thinking about Lewandowski as the best number nine, especially on this podcast in the world for a, probably the last 12 to 18 months. But I'd argue what Benzema has done in the league is, is harder than what Lewandowski has done in, in the, the Bundesliga. And if Benzema can take that forwards into the Champions League and lead Real Madrid to a semi-final or final, and Bayern Munich don't get as far or don't win it, then I think the argument is there to be had about those two, whether or not Benzema's actually on top. Eh, well, Matt, I'll, I'll let you uh, jump in here at, the, at this part. Well, what do you think of Pet's comments in uh, Real Madrid overall? First, I'll start with Real Madrid, um, and then I'll get to the whole... Because you mentioned my, my man Lewandowski here, so now you're kind of inviting me to, to kind of combat that. But uh, yeah, I think Real Madrid... Look, this has kind of been more of the public opinion for Real even before the season started, right? I think there was more people that looked at Real Madrid's overall uh, makeup uh, from the coach, from the players, the experience the players had, but a lot of the younger players that are coming up. And it seems as though that Real Madrid were just more equipped for uh, a title run and a team that was a little bit more balanced, a little bit more um, carrying more certainties within their squad. Um, as you alluded to, uh, Martino and, and Pep, you know, with the, the players that have come along and, and really have delivered for Zidane have take, undertaken really key roles. You know, Valverde has taken major strides. You know, he seems like he's kind of a pillar player moving forward. Um, you know, you have Benicius Jr., you had Rodrigo. So they've had production from some of their younger players, and it seems as though the future feels a little more um, certain and Obviously, there's not many certainties in life, but you feel if you're a Real Madrid fan that you're more, much more suited um, to sustain the success going forward versus a team like Barcelona. And, you know, when we look at Real Madrid, we look at the same guys who have been there at the core, at the heart of all these, these you know, title winning seasons and these Champions League winning seasons, you know pre and post Ronaldo, you're still having the Modric, you're still having the Cruz, you're still having the Ramos. So that core is still intact, right? And I think, you know, we look at it and you compare it to 
Um, in my opinion, you can make a case that it's a lot of comparable to uh, what the Yankees and New York Yankees did in Major League Baseball for much of the 90s, right? They still had players kind of come in and out, but they still had the core four, right? You still had your Jeters, your your Riveras, your core players that are going to be there and build that. around them to He's build. Right. Right. So I think what Real Madrid have done and been able to kind of set themselves up for the success. And I think it's totally deserved. Although, again, we know what Messi's accomplished with Barcelona this year. He seems to me that he's just been a one man wrecking crew, uh, putting up great numbers. Right. He, he, won the, he won the top scoring title in La Liga again, which is ridiculous. Plus, he had 20 plus assists. But with Benzema being the talisman up front. Right. I think that was a big talking point post Ronaldo was. Can Benzema be the guy? Can he deliver out of, you know, Ronaldo's shadow? Can he be the type of striker that can do this? And sure enough, um, he's doing that. He's been on, in sensational form, scoring big goals, consistent, doing a lot of things that are maybe not showing up in the box score, which I know is a big talking point you know, in the debate you know, that, you, that we could have here between him and Lewandowski having better years. And I think that's just one of those things that comes with watching the games, right? I think there's going to be a lot of people that will look at a forward and say, well, he's not scoring 20 goals, so how good is he? Is he really an elite striker or elite forward? But obviously within, a, within certain systems, you know, Benzema is a very functional player. He's a very reliable striker. He does so many things other than scoring goals. And he also has that, that backing and that legacy behind him as a player who's won so much at Real Madrid. So I think the case can be made. Listen, for me, you know, I will side with Lewandowski here just for the simple reason that he is, again, one of three players, um, in addition to Messi and Ronaldo, that have 40-plus goals in five straight season, seasons. And whether or not you're, that's going to diminish the, the overall um, equality of the Bundesliga and the stuff, and that, that's another conversation. It's still very impressive when you put up 51 or 52 goals in 40-something games, and you've won the league title, and you won the domestic cup, and you're flirting with maybe getting the uh, Champions League trophy to cap off that treble. I think that's something that, look, unfortunately, we'll never, you know, get to get to know what, what the outcome is here because, again, we'll, we're going to touch on what's happening with the Ballon d'Or. But, yeah, as, as far as things go with Real Madrid, I think it was kind of expected. I think Bar Messi had kind of kept Barcelona in as long as he could. But at the end of the day, most agree that the team that probably deserved it, the team that was expected to win uh, La Liga title, did get the title in the end. And, and, and hats off to them because Zidane's – building uh, quite another <laughs> potential dynasty here in a team that can really run uh, Spain for, for quite a while. I suppose the question now is to Martina and Matt, both of you, whoever wants to jump in, is this the beginning of the end for Barcelona? I mean, Messi looks pissed off, doesn't he? And you mentioned it at the start, Martino, but I mean, Matt, you, you've just said that it was Messi keeping them in this uh, league race. Should it have just been Messi? They've got Suarez, they've got Griezmann, they've got Coutinho. It shouldn't just be him. I know mm. Coutinho's out of favour and been loaned out, et cetera, et cetera, but it shouldn't just be him. What, is no, this it, the, it, the beginning of the end? It, it feels like that. And I think, again, you have to respect the fact that it's, it's, like, it's like the same thing with like if you have Ronaldo. There's very few players where you know there's something special, there's something different that as long as he has that Barcelona shirt on, you have to feel like they're a contender for the title and you feel like they can win some things. And I think this is a perfect example um, in the Champions League. You know, they're tied with, you know, Napoli moving forward. And I know Napoli's kind of been up and down for the most part. They've been pretty solid under Gattuso. But would it surprise you to see in this sort of format that we're going to see in the knockout stages of the tournament, Messi carry Barcelona and somehow find their way in a final, maybe they win or maybe they get really close because of him 
and then that some, maybe cements that would have maybe cemented him as the Champions League. I'm not excuse me, the Ballon d'Or winner. It's possible. He's one of those select few players like Ronaldo, where they're you, you know, regardless of how bad they maybe look and how bad things may look from the outside, you gotta respect the fact that there's something special about them that can immediately switch off or switch on and ultimately make the difference in this sort of sort of uh, situation. So I, I, it, right now, the way I see it, I don't think that Barcelona are a team that's going to win the Champions League. And it does feel like kind of maybe approaching the end here because of everything we've heard about, you know, uh, Messi in the media, how, you know, he seems very upset with how things are going and he's just not accepting of the current Barcelona form. Also with the fact that there's a possibility that he does leave because we know that's definitely a possibility. We saw Ronaldo leave and I don't think many people thought, you know, maybe that was going to happen the way it did. So it feels like that. And look, Barcelona have some work to do. Things can change with a good market, but right now it seems as though they're just caught up in their ways of just not properly buying the players necessary to appease Messi, want him to stay, keep that team moving forward. Whereas with Real Madrid they seem more suited to you keep this thing going. So you, it feels like that, but you really never know until, you know, you see Messi maybe leave or you see certain players, you know, come and go and, and so on and so forth. Yeah. Um, beginning of the end of in air. Look, I think right now he basically gave them an ultimatum because you could just tell it. The guy never makes comments like but, he did. But, look, but like they've bought Griezmann. He wanted Griezmann, right? Like they, they've made moves for Messi for the past two or three seasons, and they haven't done very well. You know, they've kept Suarez on, who's Messi's mate. They've brought in Griezmann as the best forward outside of La Liga, uh, outside of Real Madrid and Barcelona in La Liga to Barcelona. What else does he want? I mean, like, look. They, what, else, what else does he want? I, I, well, first of all, I think their selection and managers have just been piss poor, right? But, but you're telling me, Martino, that hmm. Messi has nothing to do with the selection of those managers because I do not believe that. Because I he, he has you been think, involved. You think he wanted Kike you thought You think that was him that wanted him in there? I, I don't think it was necessarily him, but I think he definitely had a say. He always has a say in everything. But at the end of the day, you got to, like... When did it get to this point that that the executives and the directors that he's been beefing with, by the way, as well, that he's made yeah. comments back at them? So obviously they're not on the same page. A hundred percent. No, he, he, he the, the club is very poorly run at the moment, and they are they're in disarray from a sporting direction point of view and a financial point of view. We can see that with the the kind of Pjanic uh, Arthur move, for exactly. example, that they're, they're yep. scrambling to try and get themselves on the right side of the balance sheet. But I do question, like, what else is it that Messi requires from Barcelona for him to be in the ideal situation? Is it the right manager? If so, who is it? Is it more players? If so, who are they? Because I'm looking at it like, okay, they just got Griezmann uh, the other summer and they're probably in the market to get, you know, they've got Pjanic, they're in the market to get two or three other players. They've kept all his friends who might be in decline, such as Suarez Pique, has missed Suarez. the most big chances in La Liga. Yeah, but like, you know, what is one of the big reasons that he's been kept on? It's because he's one of best Messi's best mates. Look, there's politics in every company and football isn't diff- is no different. Suarez is best mates with Messi. They are best friends in Barcelona off the pitch. 
he's clearly the reason he's still there. If Messi wasn't there, or if Messi wasn't friends with him, I can guarantee you that Luis Suarez isn't starting every game in and out for Barcelona because he doesn't have the physical capacity anymore. He's a, still a quality footballer, doesn't have the physical capacity anymore. The issue is, like, it is now a game of chicken between Messi and um, the, the board. And Messi has said, I want things done my way. They're not winning. The board are probably going to be less inclined to give him what he wants. Well, then they're going to lose the greatest player in their history. And that has made them this relevant. Then. I mean, that's really what it's down to, right? Because the way he's talking, and I know it's very difficult for a lot of people to see a world where Messi isn't on Barcelona. It's getting closer and closer to that. They get it. And he's even saying, he's like, the way we're playing right now, we're going to eliminate it versus Napoli. I, I honestly think Napoli will be, because Napoli is capable of beating anyone on their best day. We've seen it. They've beaten Liverpool and they play Liverpool very tight. They could beat a Juve's of the world. Look, right now, if they if they have this again where they go trophyless or they don't win the Champions League and they somehow lose out on La Liga again, there is a world where I do see he's gone next summer. And the only place I think he does go is probably Manchester City. But is this is this is this more is this more of a, a, a an a an indication of what Messi has done or hasn't done? Because at the end of the day, we all talk in, about statistically what Messi has done for Barcelona. They they sucked. Like this. They sucked when he was hurt at the beginning. Is, they is, sucked is, so bad. Is this, is this, so they're bad. Is this a They would not of, have made Champions League if he's not on that team this season. Is this they a don't product make... of improper preparation? Is that what it comes down to? Because at the end of the day, I understand that we know there's select few players within the you know, current football uh, spectrum and their past and, and you know, the, the, the present, whatever, that players do have pull, right? There's a certain, like, if you had Maldini, like, at Milan, like, they're going to ask his say over many things because he's Maldini. He's like, hey, you've been here for X amount of years. What do you think? So they're going to have say in terms of on the transfer front to an extent or the coach is going to be. And we know that Messi has that at Barcelona. That's, there's, no, there's no doubting that. But – there's only so much, I think, in my opinion. He's not the guy that's balancing the books. He's not the guy that's spending $150 million or whatever the fee was on Coutinho. That's not him. Maybe he has a say that I think the player is good, and I think maybe the player would fit. But at the end of the day – That's I also mean, the deeper issue that right. you're listening is, to is, the is he the guy? Is he the guy that says, hey, Messi, we're going to swap Arthur for Pjanic? Is he like, yeah, let's do it? I don't think so. Because everyone with eyes can see that that was a ridiculous move, and it's more you know, motivated by – the financial side of things. So yes, to an extent, he has maybe a say in the coach and I'll get this player because we all know, right? You see the kind of the teasing and the flirting and the kind of, you know, the, the subtle messages that players do have on social media. That's a big part now, right? You see it with Dominic Sabah's live with Milan, right? He kind of likes all the photos and stuff. So that's an element that, that plays into the current football. But when I look at Messi's situation here, I think it's one of those things where maybe it's not, a so, so much as like hey it's it's messy it's, he's doing this or it's barcelona it's one of those things where it's like it's time it's it's not you it's me i need something else and i think he's maybe kind of trying to find a reason to say hey look we had the year we had players are getting towards the end of their career the twilight of their career it's time you can't not all fairy tales are going to end with messi driving off to the sunset and being a barcelona player for life the dynamic of the game has changed the landscape has changed very seldom are we going to find a one-club player now. And I think this was always something that maybe you'd be all expected Messi to be a Barcelona player for life. 
But in the back of the Barcelona fans' mind, they had to assume when Ronaldo tested waters and went to Juve, that maybe that's something that Messi's going to do or want to do. Maybe not by strictly by choice for himself, but maybe he's like, you know what? I have my out. I have my, I guess, time to go. You know, would, have, would, have best t- would have his best time to go have been on top, winning a title, winning a Champions League? Of course it would. But at the end of the day, these players are competitors. They love, love nice, fresh challenges. And I think Messi's no different than a Ronaldo. So it seems to me that it's almost like the perfect time for him to leave. And I think that's how I see it. All right. Pet, let's get your uh, plug in here for our friends at The Athletic. Well, I forgot to get it up in front of me, so I'm just going to freestyle. If you guys do want to get 50% off your athletic subscription, you're a sports fan, you're a football fan, you want to be more informed on all footballing matters and NBA matters and all those matters, then head over to theathletic.co.uk forward slash state of play and you basically get 50% off your yearly subscription uh, and it costs about £2.50 a month. So that's about $3. Matt, what have you been buying recently? that costs more than £2.50, apart from beers on the beach as you were last week? Um, where did I start? I bought a Gatorade yesterday. I was golfing um, for, I think, three bucks. So there, yeah, so that just to put it there you in go. perspective, very small amount that you can dedicate from to, uh, to, to some great premium content on not only just football, but major U.S. sports as well, which I know are restarting. So it's definitely definitely worth the, uh, the two forty nine. There we go. Martino, anything you've been buying more than $3 recently? No, honestly, I've been saving a no, ton nothing. of money. No, hon- you've bought no. nothing for $3 in the past week. Nothing. Past week? Nothing. I haven't gone anywhere. I haven't had to do anything. A dollar menu item. Dollar menu item. Not even I like a little bit of food. No, no, no. So what have you been really eating? Am. Food at home that my parents uh, have. I don't have to spend uh, my money. No, no, I saved my money. It's really only gone towards subscription-based stuff. Like, I mean, Hulu, but that's monthly stuff. I mean, that's there like we a, go. If you want to do that, I don't even know if I got charged for it. Uh, <laughs> so, yeah, it's really just been the athletic. I mean, look, it's uh, the best thing still. I read, and it's so much more fun when all these sports are coming back over here now because it's really, it's really for our American listeners for sure. I think it's a lot more bang for your buck because um, there are all these sports like Matt was talking about. So, baseball, basketball coming back this week as well. It's definitely something uh, to subscribe to. So thank you to everyone at The Athletic. And don't forget to use our uh, backslash stay to play. So use that. And we're going to be moving on. Pet, come on. This is your topic here. Premier League, Arsenal. You know, I th- the impressive thing about Arsenal. So we've talked about a lot, of, a lot of teams that have been playing so well since the reboot. And they've really been playing well since the start. Arsenal had a very poor start to the reboot, but they've rallied around it and they've played much better and one of the better teams in all the top leagues. So let's stick with them, right? Um, And then we'll move towards the Champions League race a little bit because that's going to go down to last match day. But, I mean, look, yeah, they've been playing fantastic and uh, they continue to roll. Uh, Unfortunately, just too little too late, but uh, whatever your thoughts been on it, something to build off going into next season. I think that's the main thing. I think I tweeted something along the lines of um, it's not just about the result because it was an amazing, amazing result. It was more about the process, the way that the team played and the belief 
that the players had in Mikel Arteta. I think when he first arrived at Arsenal, the way he spoke about what he wanted to do, the vision, it just felt right. You know, sometimes you can't really explain it. There are intangibles there. You know, him shouting at Nicolas Pepe and Lacazette in French to do things on the pitch. Little things like that go a long way in, in showing a player that you're buying into them as much as they are buying into you. If he can, if he can go out of his way to, to learn some French so that, so, that, so that he can speak to Nicola Pepe and communicate with him effectively, that goes a long way for a player. And then his connection with the fans. Every time we play a game or have a good result, he's the first person that Arsenal put out on Twitter and on YouTube, etc., saying, I wish you guys were here watching and supporting us, but please, please keep pushing for us behind your TVs. And I think there's just that connection with the fans that he built over a week that you know, Emery struggled to get over a year. And even a big disconnect that we felt with Arsene Wenger towards the end of his reign, where there was very much division in the fans that half of them wanted out, half of them wanted them, him in. But now it feels like there are no fans at Arsenal that don't buy into what Mikel Arteta is, is trying to achieve in here right now. And I, get the, I guess the most exciting thing is he hasn't had a transfer window yet. He hasn't implemented any of his own players, as you've called them. He hasn't built a squad that he wants to build. And, of course, there are players that look like they might be moved on, that players that are out of favour, players like Socrates and Meza Ozil. But, I mean, I say that Ainsley Maitland-Niles, Danny Caballos, uh, Granite Xhaka and David Luiz, it looked like the end of those guys, or at least the three of them, apart from Granite Xhaka, four weeks ago, it looked like the end of Lacazette. You know, three weeks later, you're looking at a revitalized squad, uh, a team that have just put in two back-to-back phenomenal performances a bit against, against the two best teams in the world. And I, I think it's testament to Arteta, such a young coach. He's actually so good now that the conversation around the Arsenal community is becoming, can we service Mikel Arteta as well as he's servicing us? Can we convince him to stay at Arsenal in the long haul? Because that's how good he's been. It's a bit like when Mauricio Pochettino was doing really, really well at Spurs and people were starting to say, oh, actually, it's actually us that needs to, to keep him here rather than us, you know, uh, him be, like staying in the job, if that makes sense. We are now seeing that effect from Mikel Arteta, right? We are seeing a very, very good young coach. We are seeing a coach that is going to be coveted by a lot of clubs. And Arsenal need to play their cards right from a board level, from a sporting direction level, to give him the funds that he needs in whichever way, form they can, whether it's loans with obligations to buyers, whether it's dodgy accounting deals like Pjanic and Arthur, they need to give him the, the backing that he deserves. Because at the end of the day, Mikel Arteta is at the moment, um, you know, he's, he's creating really fancy meals from pretty much scraps that you find at the back of the fridge and he's not going to settle for that for for the rest of his career he needs uh, to be challenged as much as he's challenging the Arsenal players and he needs to be, we need to we need to hold Arsenal Football Club as accountable as he's held himself accountable and he's doing it really well at the moment but um, yeah, amazing result for Arsenal I guess the other one that maybe had just as much conversation about it was the Chelsea United game, I mean I want to get your thoughts because we had a question here from Mike Stanley and on who should be Man United's number one and a real horror show from David De Gea, isn't it? And I think it's, it's definitely, if 
18 months ago wasn't the beginning of the end. Now is definitely the beginning of the end of David De Gea, is it not, Matt? It feels like that, um, especially when a player, when he's been at the club for such a long time, he's served, uh, served the club really well for a very long time. He makes a ton of money. Like David De Gea does, he's paid as one of the best keepers in world football amongst Manuel Neuer and you know, the list goes on and on and on. But everyone, you know, there was always that point in time when he was close to being a Real Madrid player and being a goalkeeper, they don't need a goalkeeper because Thibaut Courtois has been fantastic. And he's, you know, in his own right, he's changed his own fortunes at the club. I know when he arrived to Real Madrid, he was like making mistakes and he really didn't seem like he was the, the guy long-term, but now that's obviously changed. And when you're in your Manchester United's position, you're saying, look, the, 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 the idea here or the, the vision seems to be one that's for the most part centered around younger players, right? You know, we talked about it in the previous episodes about uh, with, with Tom in our, in our past episode here, episode 48, about Rashford, Martial, Pogba, Greenwood. The dynamic and makeup feels like it's going in the direction of being a very young one. And I'm not saying that you need to go young in every position because, you know, you need to need some veteran presence in certain positions to kind of ease these younger players along. But Dean Henderson would be uh, a pop. He would be able to slide right in for him. He's got the Premier League experience mm. at Sheffield. He's been amongst the top goalkeepers in terms of clean sheets. It, it, is he ready for that responsibility at Manchester United? That's another conversation. I think most people who watch him would agree that he's a, he's a very solid goalkeeper. And most goalkeepers typically don't hit their peak or hit their best until their mid to late thirties, mid, not mid late thirties, mid to late twenties. And look, the hay is around that. So you'd assume that he would have a lot more good years left in the tank, but maybe it's one of those things where they're saying, Hey, look, the time is now, maybe we got to pass the batons of someone else. And Henderson would be a, not only just a good solid fit, it wouldn't cost them anything. So you got to look at it from that perspective in this this economy, this climate with COVID, you'd be able to get a, a, a nice solid keeper to replace him without having to open up the wallet and spend, which I know is a very big thing nowadays. So overall, it seems like it could be the end for him. I'm not saying it is because at the end of the day, we've seen players get a new lease on life at certain clubs. You just mentioned several at Arsenal. Pet, you know, when you thought Shaka was out, you thought, um, you know, Lacazette, you know, Aubameyang, all these sorts of players. It seems it's a little good stretch here and that could maybe change the fortunes and maybe kind of change the perception that the fans have of that player. So we'll have to wait and see how that works out. Yeah. So look, there's a lot of interesting things that uh, can be discussed on all of this, but let's move on to the next topic. We're going to Italy real quick. I guess we have to talk about Milan. I know, I know. I try not to. Uh, that well, often, Peck got Arsenal, and so it's only fair we get we get Milan. You know, but they're both playing well, so it's fair. <laughs> it's fair. You could argue they're playing the best. In Can the I league. ask you guys a question? Sure. Go ahead, you do it. Yeah. So Milan are doing really well right now. Mm-hmm. Is there a worry that Ralph Ragnick comes in and just messes it all up? We're, we're, uh, we're Milan, and we've, we've experienced everything in the past seven, eight years. That so, is yeah, that's the, a possibility. That's, uh, that's <laughs> what everyone just assumes. It's, it's a split thing between everybody. For me, you have to when – you, when you see stuff like this, you can easily let the emotions get the best of you with how well they're playing in this moment. But you have to look at track records at the end of the day, right? I think at the end of the day, they were a team that should have been fighting for the fourth spot considering how they played last season and the talent that they added, but it was the worst start that they could have ever possibly imagined at the start of the season. They corrected the mistake. I don't really think things 
turned around until the January window when they brought in Ibra. They brought in Simon Kier. For me, you have to look at Pioli's track record. This this isn't a guy that should be leading Milan to a Champions League spot. They brought him in for a quick fix. I think he's done well enough. I think they do ultimately end up getting that fifth spot. Um, They have to get through this week. Sassuolo and Atalanta are are very tough opponents. Um, So if they could somehow manage to get around four points or results from both matches, they're in good shape to finish uh, in fifth, hopefully, at the end of the season. But for me, with Ragnar coming in, look, you made your bed, you sleep in it. The only thing that I do want at the end of the day is keep Maldini because I think he has shown more than enough in his first full season at the helm that he is competent enough to make smart decisions. Moving this team forward, he knows what it takes to bring this team to the top. I mean, he's the club's greatest ever player. He is their symbol. He's their icon. That is someone you need to keep here. And you've seen it with multiple players saying it. Kalulu, who they got from Lyon, um, that they were angry that they let him go, that's been on the record for them, that he was one of the main reasons that he convinced him to come here. Same thing with Teo Hernandez. He is a guy that can bring top talents to this club, help them progress further, because we've seen almost every young player that they brought in this season has done fantastic, or they've shown signs of being top players eventually. So for me, I think that's the important thing there. For Pioli, I mean, he can go. That's really not a not a thing. But it, I wouldn't be opposed if they wanted to keep Pioli on and Regnick just came in the director and worked with Maldini. But at the end of the day, that's something I don't see as likely. Well, I mean, here's here's my thing. I'm, I'm, I'm not going to ramble on here too much, but because we have other things to address in this this episode. When I look at the situation, I think it's 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 easy for Milan fans to be so – kind of invested in Pioli and, and you know, because winning cures all, right? When you're winning, everything's, everything's great, right? Same thing, you can, again, a lot of the same things here apply to Arsenal, right? Three, four games, all of a sudden, wow, like, David Luiz, we're going to keep him, we're going to, and a couple weeks ago, David Luiz looked like he, he's gone, this guy's out of the team. Like, so again, winning cures all. You get the results, you're climbing up the table, everyone's happy. But, hypothetically speaking, let's say you, you know, you know what? Raf Radnick, we're going to keep you in the director role. Pioli, we're going to keep you as a manager. Let's say Pioli has a rough start. Milan have another, str- another struggle out of the gate. Typically, there's notoriously slow starters. And everyone's saying, did we really think Pioli was the long-term solution? It's, it's, a, it's a, you, you, you choose which way you're going to go with it. If you're going to say Pioli's going to be our guy, you better be damn sure that he's, he's the guy. Are you going to invest in the market, $100 million, $120 million, whatever the fee's going to be for Pioli? who, although a good manager, hasn't shown historically that he's the guy that's going to be a four- to five-year type solution. He's a solid manager in Italy. Again, he's coached at Lazio. He's coached at Inter. He's Fiorentina with mixed results, at times looking pretty good, at times looking average to not so good. So that's the only thing I have to kind of look at this with, is that, yes, right now, Milan are having their normal, solid second half. They did it under Gattuso year one after Montella was fired. They did it last year. They always seem to slow, start slow. And when you set the bar as, as low as they do, Milan, again, weren't scoring goals. We're in 10th, 11th place. They were closer to relegation than they were to Europe. Now, all of a sudden, they're winning. They're scoring goals. And everyone's like, keep Pioli, keep Pioli. This was the same guy that half the fan base or a good chunk of the fan base was to hashtag Pioli out before the guy even signed. So... This, this fan base will never be 
you know, fully satisfied with anything, the only thing that can help satisfy everybody is they're winning. And that's exactly what they're doing right now. For me, I can take it or leave it. I look at Milan right now as saying, look, Pioli is doing a good job. We'll wait to see what happens the rest of the way. Would I be comfortable with his, his, as him as the coach long-term? Not too sure. Am I even comfortable as that Ralph Ragnick is the guy? That's a big responsibility. You're, going, you're talking going from Germany to going to Italy to play, to be not only the coach, but to be the director. That's a lot to put on someone's plate. I don't care who you are. You could be Pep Guardiola. That's my with, only with concern three weeks, on both sides. With three weeks. Right. So, I'm me. I'm not getting too caught up in this. For me, I look at it and say, look, keep winning games, Pioli, and that's exactly what he's doing. The players are reacting really well to him. I have no problem with, with, with it. But at the end of the day, there's no, way, there's no right or wrong. There's going to be people that say, Ralph Ratnick, is he, don't, he, what has he done? He hasn't won any trophies. And then there's going to be, oh, well, Pioli, why would we keep him? You're never satisfying everybody. And at the end of the day, you got to just let the things kind of take shape and unfold as, the, as they may. And that's how I've approached it. But just taking what we see here, Happy Milano doing well. Big shout out to Pioli. Whether or not he's the coach, long-term remains to be seen. But regardless, he's definitely winning over a lot of people. And hey, he'll find a job, no problem, if he's not the coach. Yeah, really fascinating insight into Milan. Obviously, they're probably the, the largest story at the moment in Italy. So it's fair enough that we're talking Arsenal-Milan for a decent chunk of this podcast. Um, just wanted to touch on league art very, very quickly. I know, obviously, Bundesliga is over. Next time we see a German team will be in Europe. But uh, Adil Ashish, that I think Mo profiled a while ago, was it, was it Jonathan Johnson? Um, Matt that uh, that did a profile on Adil Ashish, uh, the French youngster, eighteen year old who's just signed for Saint Etienne from PSG on a free transfer. So definitely want to keep your eye out on uh, out for they're paying him a lot of money from Saint Etienne. I think they're paying him. Um, I think it might be a hundred thousand euros a month, you know, and he's eighteen. So it's so uh, amazing. Uh, fair <laughs> fair play so to awesome. him. Fair play to him at that he's, club uh, too. Yeah, he's making a lot of money. Uh, so he's, uh, yeah, let's see how he does. Let's see if he's worth the money. But uh, just wanted to click quickly plug that in. Oh, of course, in. of course. And shout out to Roberto Rojas real quick as we transition to MLS. Got the interview with Eric Lopez, someone he profiled on here as well. Just want to congratulate him. They had him on uh, the Low Limit Football Podcast as well. The first official uh, interview after signing with Atlanta United. But Matt, we'll go into this. I don't know how much of the MLS you've watched. Um, I wouldn't if I were you. Um, it's been atrocious. I think it's horrible. Um, entertaining, yeah, sure. But El Trafico, which is supposed to be the the top rivalry probably at this moment in MLS, finished six to two in LAFC's favor. Um, and they don't have Carlos Vela, and that's how that went. Um, Inter Miami, David Beckham's team, still yet to have won a game in their history, so they're off to a rocky start. The MLS tournament, look, I give them respect for for bringing this and putting this whole thing together in such short notice to try and become the first uh, team sport to come back in America. They've done that. They've done a decent job of um, trying to grab some viewership. Some morning games I really don't like at 9 a.m. over here. Something I'm not a fan of, but I get that to try and avoid the heat. Matt, what have been your impressions of it so far? I know I'm a very harsh critic of this league. Um, I know you have to take it uh for what it is but um what have your impressions been um it's look i think we have football back 
you know, soccer, football, whoever's listening, whatever you want to call it, same sport. Um, having it back in this country, I think it's a, a great step in, in, the, in the right direction. Um, you know, as far as the quality of play, obviously, I think it's not as sharp as, you know, MLS fans, the league, the, the clubs in general would have, would have hoped for. But I think it was expected um, given the, the circumstances. I mean, you have, you know, of, of the 26 major league soccer teams, 24 are participating in the tournament. Uh, FC Dallas and Nashville withdrew because some of their players tested positive for COVID-19 and rightfully so. I, I understand the concern. Um, you know, it's one of those things where I've watched in, in bits and pieces. I've watched the evening games. I've also watched the really early morning games, which I has also been a really fascinating dynamic and a thing to watch unfold because some of the games that you're playing in the, the dead heat of that Florida, uh, Florida, Florida climate. And I've seen a lot of games just very much be, um, you know, very much sloppy, not a lot of goals, because again, that heat, it, it, it kind of looks, it seems as though it's been taking its toll on the players. But generally speaking, I can't be too upset the fact that we're seeing, you know, you know, soccer play in this country. And I think at the end of the day, for having no sport, no sports for such a long time, it's, it, it is, it is warming, it is refreshing to see it on, on, on TV, I'm not saying it's for everybody. But I think, again, you know, to your point, mentioning Rojas and, you know, some of these other, top, you know, uh, people that are involved in major league soccer it is exciting for them because they do have the opportunity to introduce us to players like eric lopez you know, lafc a player I've, I've followed since their um induction into the into the league i actually visited their their stadium before it even came up in, in la you know it's fun seeing the diego diego rossi's of the world um the uh, you know the players that they have in the project that they're building into miami it's you know some growing pains but it's, it's, it's exciting to see it on the field. I know it's some people are going to be very mixed on it, but I, for one, have been enjoying it in, in spurts when I do have time to watch it. So I think it's just going to be one of those things where people have to understand that it's not going to be the normal MLS quality or maybe the normal MLS experience because there's no fans. But at the end of the day, I do think that it's something that is positive for fans of the league to, to take. Well, just before we wrap up, uh, we did get a couple of questions. We want to be getting more questions onto the podcast. We're going to be posting on Twitter before we record, on the day or the day before, to try and get as many questions as we can on board. Got a question here from Pyro. So at Platano Guy, who would have been the top five finalists for the Ballon d'Or in your opinion slash opinions? So for those of you who don't know, the Ballon d'Or has been cancelled for 2020, which I think is absolutely absurd. A ridiculous decision by whoever made that decision just because Liga is, didn't finish up their... Um, the the season campaign, campaign. it's uh, it's just ridiculous really in my opinion that that's happened um so look guys who, who would have been your top five for the season um i'll go first since this was actually my friend from back home um barcelona fan he's been very upset so okay um and i'll do no order i think Lewandowski was on track to win it um if uh if it finished out especially if they if bayern end up doing really well in the champions league I think it's him, Messi, Kevin De Bruyne. Take your pick of a Liverpool player. I, I would say maybe Virgil Van Dijk, and I know he wasn't as great as he was last season. Um, and I really do think Neymar had a claim this season. And then you could say Cristiano's right on the outside looking in, or right on the fifth. I, it, Neymar, Neymar was so good, and people really forget it because I think Lagoon made the mistake of canceling their season a little too soon. But I think in no order in the top five, that's what it would have been. And for me, Lewandowski at Bayern go to the final uh, for the Champions League. I think it would have been his uh, to take home this season. I think for Matt? my five, um, I, again, no order here. 
Lewandowski, Messi, Ronaldo, uh, De Bruyne, maybe one of the Liverpool players. Again, take your pick, Virgil van Dijk. I know Sané was one that was many people thought was snubbed last year. He had probably a better year last year than he did this year. But I think winning the Premier League ultimately kind of helps elevate his, his claim for um, a higher positioning. And then um, Karim Benzema. I know we had the, comp- the conversation at the, earlier in the, in, in the podcast here, but I think, again, given the fact that um, we, again, we don't know how things are going to unfold in the Champions League, but the year he's had, the fact that they won the title, and they're probably a team that is, given their current form, a favorite to win the Champions League again, which I can't even keep count of how many they have currently as, as a team historically. Um, you got to put him in that conversation as well. So those are like my five to six. I guess it's kind of tough to slice it because – Again, we have some things to play for. If Ronaldo manages to get Juve another title, and then they win the Champions League, the coveted Champions League they've been going after for so many years, that's going to certainly make his case stronger. But you know, it's 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 subjective, and unfortunately, we're not going to be able to you know, understand or know who would win this award in this in this year. Because despite some of the leagues not finishing, again, the French league being one of them, I think most of the leagues did finish, and we saw enough body of work for the voters, the panelists, and all these players that are involved in the voting process to make a judgment um, on who was deserving of this award this year. So it's, it's a shame. It's, it's unfortunate, but those would be my group of five or six. I've got pretty much the same combination as you folks. Um, I've obviously got the big two, Ronaldo Messi, and then I've got uh, Benzema in there. I've got Kevin De Bruyne, and then I've got uh, probably a Van Dyke as well, even though, yeah. I mean, he's he's obviously been magnificent this season, uh, Van Dyke. So probably probably those five for me. Yeah, uh, it'll be difficult. Oh, well, that that's unfortunate that they haven't yeah. decided to do that. So how? Do, I guess they'll just have to start a clean slate next season um, with those international competitions coming back. But that'll wrap it up for this episode, guys. We've got we've got one more question. Oh, we got one more question. We got one more. We got one, one more. more. Hold your horses, Martina. All right, all right. Peter Graham. This. <laughs> <laughs> this came in late at Pete CFC. Is Havertz just too good an opportunity for Chelsea to miss? Can you think of any centre backs that could step in and provide any kind of leadership to that dodgy defence, as that is the real priority? So Havertz, that looks like it's happening. All the major journalists in both Germany and England are covering this story, saying that personal terms are basically agreed. It's the fee that needs to be worked out about eight million, eighty million euros. It looks like Havertz looks like he's going to be following Timo Werner in coming to the Premier League and to the same club in Chelsea. Thoughts on this signing and then thoughts on the centre-backs that maybe Chelsea could target? Um, I, I think, you know, on the Havers conversation, I think it's, it's probably unfortunate for, um, you know, those teams like Bayern Leverkusen and Borussia Dortmund holding to the prized young talents in world football and obviously, again, Kai Havertz and Jadon Sancho that they could probably demand and get more for these players in a normal circumstances financially. Uh, we saw mm. the figures that both are being discussed about. I think the latest I've seen from Fab Romano, 80 to 90 million is what buyers asking for, which is still a great sum of money. That's, but, that's still a lot of money, I think. Oh, of I, think I think that's a really fair price for, oh, for him. But yeah, I think, I think for him, it's, it's, again, it's definitely a fair price. But I'm saying, like, way we've seen the money go in this sport, would it be beyond the realm of possibility for him to have gone for more? It, who knows, right? We Not know beyond that the realm of possibilities, yeah. We know the Premier League players, if you, especially if it's a Premier League transaction, right? You know, Sancho, we don't know what his stock is going to be, but we saw that Manchester United, again, not a nice subtle plug to the first episode for, um, you know, the, the, the football 
whiteboard series that you were working on, Pet, that Sancho seemed like a perfect fit for Man United, but it seems as though can they get the feed them? And I think that's going to be one of those fascinating things. But as far as Chelsea goes with Havertz, if they're able to get that done, in addition to Ziyech is already in, in addition to Timo Werner, and then possibly even like a Ben Chilwell, Chelsea, they're, they, they, they're, they smell blood. They want to go and chase I that st- title I still and more think, next year. I still think they need a, a spine. You know, the keeper yeah. isn't good enough. I mean, None it, of the centre-backs cool are good enough. Is Koulibaly in play? Koulibaly. I think it's a, it's, a, it's a possibility. I mean... Yeah, good work. luck. Because who are they going to sell? They have to raise the funds now. Because if you're going to drop they do. 90 million pounds... Yeah, but, but, look at, but look at Napoli. But look at Napoli, they though. They're look, Napoli are looking to get uh, Osimenin. And they're spending a, a record fee for that. De, De De so does that mean him. that a, a Fabian Ruiz or Koulibaly is on their way out? Does that mean maybe a Koulibaly is, hey, we'll uh, sell him for 80, 90 million? It's possible. It is but possible. is another one, of course. That, that I think he's on Arsenal. They, it, yeah. they need to get the money here. And I do think I do think Jorginho will be off. I think that's the, the guy yeah. that they'll get the main I, I funds for. Well, and... with, with him, Kovacic, I mean, and Kante, who's, who's sadly as much as I love him, Looks like he's declining as a footballer. I think they might need a central midfielder as well. I mean, Kovacic was really, really good yesterday against United, but yeah. I think he struggled for consistency. Is he a guy that you can play in a double pivot? I'm not 100% sure. I think he's more accustomed to being an under, a number eight in a 4-3-3. I really do think that there's a lot of work to be done for, for Chelsea. They've got the attacking pieces now. Can you go get the goalkeeper? Can you go get the, the centre-backs? So, I mean, yeah. in goal, can you get a Nick Pope? Can you get someone like that from Burnley, who's been fantastic in the Premier League this season? At centre-back, can you get like an Upamecano? Can you get one of those guys that's been that's being touted in that kind of uh, world? That's, and then yeah. a CDM, can you get someone that can command that midfield? And I, I don't know. It's, that's it's really the tough. Crazy, that's the crazy part about Chelsea too. And then we'll, we'll, we'll tie this one up. But the fact that Chelsea... Again, they've done so well under Frank Lampard integrating a lot of their younger players. They have a nice nucleus of players to work with, and they've already you signed a couple players. But the fact that you're saying they still need like another three guys, like oh, that's crazy sure. to me. Like you know, I mean, okay, like the, but but it's it's not that crazy, right? Look it's not at, crazy, um, but it's just for a team that's been doing yeah. pretty well that has a lot of players in place that they still need, like, hey, we still need five to six guys. I guess that's maybe more of a Premier League thing. Yeah. Because I think, again, there's a competition that's very stiff. But I just find that really interesting. I guess maybe it's something that we've seen with Liverpool. That's how they built their team. City, that's how they've done. I mean, they went out there and spent, you know, X amount or 100 plus million on three fullbacks. Yeah. So I guess it's not, you know, they're, they're a team with their, those ambitions like Chelsea have. It's not so far-fetched and maybe so ridiculous as it may seem, at least to me and others but they definitely well, when, do need when, some, some talent for sure when Mourinho came to Chelsea he bought uh who did they they got Diego Costa they got Cesc Fabregas they got Matic they got um, are you talking about the second time the second time the second <laughs> time um they brought back Courtois um they built the spine they built that spine through the team and now that's what they're missing they're you know they're potentially missing that center back they're missing goalkeeper they're missing maybe a, another central midfield, maybe two centre-backs, who knows, depending on who out of Rudiger, Christensen, Zuma, et cetera, will be there. Oh, um, you know, it's not the, the greatest bunch of centre-backs out there. Um, and then, again, Giroud's 34 nearly. Tammy Abraham has been hot and cold, uh, although I think long-term he'll be a very good striker. Do they need another forward? I mean, Timo Werner, can, can, so. can, can he play nine in the Premier League? I don't know. We'll see. Again, loads of things up in the air. Last thing I want to talk about, Jude Bellingham to Dortmund. 
you guys must have seen that. Birmingham mm-hmm. City youngster, 16, just turned 17, has signed for Dortmund uh, officially. Big news there from an English and German standpoint. Another English youngster looking abroad to make his mark. And with Jalen Sancho potentially leaving, it looks like it could be a really good opportunity for him to, to get a lot of minutes in a, in a professional top flight league next season. Why would you want to go anywhere else at this point if you're a youngster, right? I mean, I, I think it, it's clearly been shown that this might be the route for a ton of play. And it doesn't have to work for everyone. I know every player has a different situation and, and all that stuff. But look, if this has worked out now, we've seen a consistent model of players from multiple countries. It's just not even the UK at this point. Um, it's okay to leave the UK and then eventually come back, right? So, so I think um, this is a solid move for him. And hopefully it works out. And I got to say, like, if this one pops too, Pet, England's a real threat in 2022. And I know he might not be an integral piece, you know, for that World Cup team. But I'm just saying, again, like, there's could. there's something could. brewing. There's something that, brewing. I'm buying I mean, he's that hype. good. He's that good, Jude Bellingham. Um, he, he's that good. And we'll see We'll see how well he does at Dortmund. Um, I hope he has a, has a great career there. Matt, any thoughts before we head out? No, I think it's this is another move that just aligns with Borussia Dortmund's transfer policy. It's it makes a ton of sense. I think they're bracing for the departure of Jaden Sancho. Maybe it's not the figure they want, but I think they're a team that's very proactive. They're always really well prepared when they do part ways with a big star that they do replace him with someone who's um, a like for like profile or someone who can maybe fill in right away in, in the in, in the immediate. And I think that's what we see with Bellingham here. So I'm excited to to see how this you know, next step unfolds for him and how he produces Aperus Dorman. Again, a hotbed for young talent team that is um, always you know, at the heart and of, of these sorts of deals in the sense that they're just provide such a great, wonderful opportunity for young players to thrive and maybe make that big first step of their career, produce. And then, as you mentioned, Martino, go back home and, and make that return to uh, comfort territory. All right, so that'll do it for episode 49. We'll be back for episode 50 next week. We'd like to thank everyone so much for all the support that you've given us. Pet, give us your plug, and Matt, and then we'll head on. Not even going to plug myself. Just sign up to The Athletic using our code, theathletic.co.uk forward slash state of play pod. Actually, it's not. It's just state of play. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, same thing. Uh, Make sure you guys are signing up to The Athletic. Great value. Guys can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Santangela. Follow us on all social media, Instagram and Facebook, State of Play Pod. And yeah, we appreciate the support you guys are giving us. Yeah, you can follow me at Martino Pucci on Twitter. Sign up for The Athletic as well. I'm not shying away from this race to a thousand followers. Pet, you could do that if you like. So with that, we'll head on out and listen to some more. Cool.